you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Good morning. Welcome, especially those who are visiting or are fairly new. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. My name is Mark. For those who may not know, that was my daughter, Nicole. And uh, she's a natural, follows after her mom. Today was her first time leading our transition into the Word. Let's give her a hand. <laughs> so are you ready for the Word? Yes. Want more. Do you want more? Yes. <laughs> this is a series about wealth. And uh, don't raise your hand, but how many of you consider yourselves wealthy? How many of you, oh, some of you raised your hand. <laughs> I'll see you after the service. <laughs> How many of you don't see yourself as wealthy? It really, it really depends on how you define wealth. And so what level of income do you think is needed for a person to be considered wealthy? And so in your mind, just go ahead and choose a number. How much money would a person have to make every year in order to be considered wealthy? $35,000 a year? 50,000? Do I hear 75? <laughs> 100. <laughs> How about 500,000 a year? Would that be a wealthy person? How about a million or more? How how much more? Did you know that the average annual household income globally is about $10,000 a year? $10,000 per year. This is the average for all people all over the earth in one year, 10,000. Per capita, that is, per person, the average global income per person for an entire year is $3,000. Maybe you didn't think of yourself as wealthy, but it depends on what you compare. If you compare yourself to TV, to Instagram, to movies, then maybe you don't consider yourself wealthy. But if you compare yourself to all the people of the world, you have a certain wealth that most people will never see. For example, do you have a car? You're wealthy compared to the rest of the world. Terry and I had the opportunity to visit Indonesia a couple times. Fourth largest country in the world in terms of population. First is China then India, then the United States, and then Indonesia. And as we visited Indonesia, most people travel by public transport or a moped. And so, if you have a car, you are wealthier than most people. All this to say, you might be more wealthy than you think. Did you know the Bible has more to say about money than all the verses of heaven and hell combined? God's word gives very important warnings about wealth 
because there are some dangers with money. The danger is very real, and sometimes the danger lies hidden, even in Christians. It can be a blind spot for us. We may be materialistic and not be aware of it. The challenge is to ask myself, do I love money more than God? Or do I love God more than money? And if I did, how would I really know? In 1 Timothy chapter 6, the Apostle Paul clearly describes the symptoms of loving money. These symptoms can help us examine ourselves. 1 Timothy chapter 6 can help us have a balanced and biblical view of prosperity. This chapter also helps us to navigate the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel is the idea that if I walk with God, I'll be rich. The prosperity gospel can allow us to have confused motives about seeking God. If we find ourselves with symptoms from the love of money, then 1 Timothy chapter 6 shows us how to overcome this problem. I'll be reading verses 6 through 12 from the New Living Translation. But before we read, let's pray. Father, you are our teacher. You're our helper. And right now we ask you to teach. We ask you to help so that we can understand and experience life as you intend it to be. Father, we want to come under you and under your word by faith and ask that you would renew our minds, the minds of our hearts, those, that place where we have certain beliefs. Lord, we ask that you would reveal truth and your truth would set us free. And we ask this in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Amen. First Timothy 6, beginning in verse 6. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people, craving money, have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. But you, Timothy, are a man of God, so run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the for the true faith, hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have confessed so well before many witnesses. So let's take a moment. I'm going to go back and highlight verse 10. Verse 10 says, the love of money, or says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. In today's world, the love of money is also known as materialism. Uh, Nicole mentioned that just a moment ago. 
So what is materialism? Some would define materialism as having too many material possessions. Others define it as loving things more than loving God. Still others say it's a matter of the heart. So what is the correct perspective on materialism? Are all wealthy people materialistic? Can a person living in poverty also be materialistic? How much is enough? How much is too much? It's important to be aware that nowhere in the Bible does God condemn wealth. There are, many, there are many godly men and women in the Bible who were wealthy. I'll name just a few. Abraham, Job, was the richest in all his region, King Solomon, King David, and Lydia, just to name a few. So if these men and women loved God and served God, and God blessed them, then we have to conclude that having wealth in and of itself is not sinful or wrong in God's eyes. Nevertheless, we also have to admit that the Bible is full of warnings for those who are wealthy or for those who are pursuing wealth. And one of these warnings is found in 1 Timothy 6.10. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. As I mentioned earlier, a good word to describe the love of money is materialism. And so here's a good definition. Materialism is a philosophy. Materialism is a philosophy over any other philosophy, religion, or value in life which has as its ultimate goal the unrestrained pursuit and accumulation of worldly goods and pleasures in this life. So, that is the love of money. <clears throat> and this is kind of a global cultural presence. It's everywhere. It's on the internet. It's in the media. You walk into a mall, the advertisements are just calling your name. That get this, have this, and you'll be satisfied. And so I want to take a moment to help us think a little bit about what is it, what causes us to drift toward materialism. Because there's a pull. You feel it when you're watching TV and you see the advertisements. You see the ads pop up when you're browsing on the internet. You feel the pull when you're in the stores. You see the, ad, the, the nice, shiny, brand new car. You're like, wow, that looks nice. You feel the pull. So why is it that we are susceptible to drift, to, to find our satisfaction in things? Well, one reason is we're afraid our needs will not be met. And so we try to control people and situations in order to feel more secure. For example, we might get a credit card, which is a way of trusting the bank to help meet our needs. It's a way for me to feel a little bit more secure about my situation 
Maybe I'm traveling, I'm going off island, I don't know, there might be an emergency. It kind of helps to feel a little bit more secure to have that little piece of plastic in your back pocket. Through the credit card, I can feel like I have better control in my situation. You know, it takes some radical faith to trust God to help you when you're in a bind and to trust him alone. For some people, accumulating wealth is, motiv is motivated by fear. You know, if I'm afraid I won't have enough, I may collect large sums of money in order to ensure that if there's any emergency, if anything happens, I'm going to be okay. Now, there's nothing wrong with having savings. Don't get me wrong. What we're talking about here is not money. We already established earlier, God never anywhere in the Bible says that wealth is wrong. What we're talking here is about motivation. Why am I accumulating wealth? You know, it's interesting the way Nicole prayed earlier during the worship time. She said, Lord, you and fear cannot occupy the same space. And so what is motivating me? What is driving me? Am I afraid that my needs may not be met? Or am I trusting the Lord and asking him to meet me in my need? So the issue is why? What is the motive? Are we saving because we're afraid we won't have enough? Or do I want to honor God? and be responsible, and be prepared. It's all about the motive. So that's one possible reason that we drift toward materialism. Another one is just pure deception. The enemy is the father of lies. And like I said earlier, there's all kinds of advertisements that are out there just calling your name that you'll be satisfied if you can just have the latest gadget. The message, the continual message, money and physical pleasure will bring fulfillment. As long as you don't have a lot of money, it's easy to assume that if I just had more, life would be better. You know, there was a family that Terry and I, actually it was Terry, she had uh, the opportunity to minister to them. And uh, their daughter was in a really bad condition and God came in, and there was a breakthrough and a healing. And life just turned around for their whole family. And uh, they were just so thankful. So Terry and I were in the Philippines, and they just wanted to express their gratitude for uh, being available and being a part of the journey and, and being a part of what God was doing in their family. And they said, could you reserve a weekend for us? We'd like to take you out and treat you. And we said, okay. We had no idea this is a very wealthy family. They took us to this private resort island where there are beach cottages on the shore. You could ride horses on the sand. And it was just an amazing weekend. And we were very thankful that um, they wanted to show this gratitude. But as amazing as that weekend was with all the wonderful food and just the beauty surroundings with nature, something was going on inside me. I was experiencing something I had never experienced before. Not in that condition. God wanted me to see something so that I would know. And although we were in this week of luxury, in this exotic private resort on an island, 
during that week was something I didn't expect. I felt very empty. I felt very empty spiritually and emotionally. And I think the Lord wanted to help me see that no, riches don't satisfy. But until I had experienced that, I was under the illusion that if I get there one day, I will be happy. The Lord allowed me to experience that temporarily just to see that no, it's an illusion. It's not true. The poor tend to think that the rich are happier. And, um, but it's not true. The enemy is a deceiver. And he wants us to believe that money satisfies. Terry and I, um, since then, have had the opportunity to minister to um, a wealthy couple. And if you could know their personal life, if you could know their private life, um, you would know that no, they're not any happier than the rest of us. They have the same problems that the rest of us humans have. In fact, in some cases, their, their problems are multiplied and magnified because of their wealth and their fame. <clears throat> and so that's one of the other reasons that we drift toward materialism is because there's this deception that money will satisfy. A third one is unmet needs. Sometimes there are things deep inside that we, that we feel. We, we feel the need to have purpose. We feel the need to be significant. We, we feel the need to want to have importance. We, we want to be wanted. And so if any of these needs are not met and we don't experience God meeting those needs, we'll look for a substitute to be able to, to provide that feeling that we need. And so we turn to things. We try to be successful in order to feel good about ourselves. Maybe I feel insecure, and so I, I need to, to look successful. I need to, I need to be successful in order to feel better about myself. And those unmet needs can be a driving force that cause us to drift toward things and possessions. It's a dangerous place to go. I'm so glad that God gives us wisdom through his word because materialism can do a number on us. Uh, we just read about it. I'm going to read it again just to highlight it, just to make sure we get it. This is verses 9 and 10. This is what materialism does to us. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped. You ever feel trapped in debt? By many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. You know, we've all made mistakes. We've all made financial mistakes. <clears throat> but I just want to share with you some examples of where that road goes if we just kind of pursue that without the restraining of the Holy Spirit and God to guide us in a different direction. I know some people, I know uh, two men who uh, would go to a gambling establishment. 
on payday with hopes of hitting it big. But there's just one problem. The house always wins. And they would blow their entire check in a single session. One of these men almost ended up in divorce. He lost his leadership role in the home because his wife had to take control of the finances. They weren't able to continue to support their daughter who was in college, and so she had to stop taking classes. The other man would blow his check and became homeless because he couldn't pay his bills. I know two other men, this is an extreme example, but true story, I know two other men who actually lost their home at a casino. One of them was the casino in Tinian. <clears throat> Most of us are not gamblers. A more common example would be maxing out credit cards and then taking years to pay it off. And in this scenario, the problem is that your check is already spoken for before payday. And so in essence, what happens is you are now working for the bank. The Bible says it this way, the borrower becomes slave to the lender. That's Proverbs 22. And so, how can we avoid the trap of loving money? Verse 11, Paul says, but you, Timothy, are a man of God. And that's a good place to start right there. Be a person of God. And he says, run from all these evil things. So, what are these evil things? We, we, we named a few. There are many. But we talked about fear. We talked about unmet needs. We talked about deception. And there are many more. God will guide you and illumine that for you as you go in your journey. But we need to run from those things and pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith. Now, faith, it's important to distinguish what we're talking about when we say faith. Because there is a counterfeit faith. The world teaches to have faith in self, to trust in your ability that you, and in some cases, like in the New Age movement, you have unlimited potential, and you too can be like God. But the faith that Paul is talking about here is not faith in self. He's talking about faith in Jesus and trusting him to be able to meet your needs. Whether it's a financial need, or an emotional need, or a life purpose need, or a relational need. Like I said earlier, it takes some radical faith to be able to wait on God and trust Him. But I guarantee that if you'll take the time to do that, that when God answers that need, it's always with a blessing. Whereas if we go and find a substitute to be able to meet that need, it may satisfy for the moment, but then it leaves you dry and hanging. And, life, and it takes life away from you. But God's blessing will bring life and abundance to you in more ways than just the physical. So trusting God, waiting on God to meet our needs. Also, Paul's encouraging Timothy to pursue love and perseverance and gentleness and fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you which you have confessed so well before many witnesses. And so how can we avoid the trap of money? Number one, uh, let your possessions be a tool for God by sharing what we have. You may not consider yourself wealthy, but you do have certain things in life. 
and you might have access to certain privileges. Everything in life falls in two categories. Either it's an idol or it's a tool. An idol is something that we allow to take higher priority than God. And if we treat things like an idol, then they can tend to separate us from God. I'll give you an example. My daughter Tara, about a year ago, she moved into a studio. Prior to that, she had been living in a house with six other housemates for about six years. And she was so looking forward to having her own space that she could set it up and decorate it the way she wanted and just have her privacy and her quiet time and, uh, and just enjoy having my place. But then she had a situation where she was going to be out of town, a friend needed a place to stay, and she, they didn't ask, but she just knows that she's going to be out of town. She has a choice to make. Am I going to kind of protect and keep what is mine? I don't want anybody to mess up my kitchen. Or am I going to share? She just felt like the Lord was speaking to her that, you know, depending on how she responds, things will either be a bridge and a tool to draw us into community, or there'll be a barrier that draws us into isolation. And so she made a choice that even though she has her own place right now, God was saying, you now have more to give. You now have something to share. And so she began to do that. And so it's important to think about what we have and how are we treating it. We can protect and keep, or we can share. One expresses loving things. The other expresses loving people and loving God. So that's one way that we can avoid the trap of loving money. Let our possessions be a tool for God by sharing what we have. The second is be involved in the work of God, and the things of this world will lose their attraction. You know, in my BC days, we used to party. And after I became a Christian, I didn't understand it back then. I just knew something happened to me. There was some kind of change that took place. And so I would be around my old gang, and they would be partying. But you know, that atmosphere just didn't do it for me anymore. I was like, I don't know, I'm not getting it now. It's just, I'm not feeling it. And I would just kind of drift away from those friends in that circle because it didn't satisfy me the way it used to. And so as you experience God, and as you let God use you to help others experience God, you begin to experience life in a different way. Uh, there is a different quality. There is an excitement. There is a joy that comes that you don't need all those other supports, all those other activities in order to have peace or to have purpose or to have fulfillment. You can truly find contentment in experiencing God. And so be involved in the work of God, and the things of this world will lose their attraction. So I just want to encourage you, you know, you can tell when change is taking place when your schedule begins to change and your circle of friends begin to change. And I want to encourage you, if there are ways that you can be more involved in the things of God and what he's doing, to begin to make some of those changes and you'll find that the pull and the lure of the world will be less and less. Uh, we just had a prayer meeting Friday night. We were over there in the other building in the annex. And somebody was just sharing a testimony about what God is doing in their family. 
And, you know, like me, this is a person who came from a background where, you know, there was all the partying and the worldliness, but now that they're experiencing God, it's like, man, this is so much better. Um, Ephesians puts it this way, do not get drunk with wine, because that's a dead-end road, but be filled with the Spirit. You know, you, you can try all these other things, these substitutes, but when you're experiencing God and filled with His Spirit, there's, there's a different kind of high that doesn't compare. I want to share with you a really neat opportunity that's coming up. It'll help you be able to be involved with the things of God and what He's doing here on our island. I've been involved in the Christian community for 30 years. I have never seen the kind of circumstance that is happening now among the churches on Guam. Um, there are dozens of churches that are uniting together to be able to reach the lost through the Guahan Festival of Hope with Franklin Graham that's happening February 23rd in 2020. And uh, we have a, a green light for the venue. Uh, pray for the finalizing that in the written contract. Um, but we are, right now, the churches are in preparation to be able to reach the lost in Micronesia and beyond. And one of the ways that we're going to do that is to um, have a world-class training in evangelism and discipleship for all the churches on Guam. And it's going to be three weeks. There's going to be uh, three sessions in order to complete the course. It's called the Christian Life and Witness Course. And there are 12 training centers, all churches, 12 training centers all over the island. Life in the Sun is one of them. The training sessions here will be on Wednesdays, 7 to 9 p.m., November 6, 13, and 20. And if Wednesday nights don't work, there's also Saturdays, 2 to 4 p.m., November 9, 16, and 23. And if those don't work, underneath your tithe envelope, there's a little handout. And this is the schedule for all the training centers on the island. Go ahead and pull that out and take a look at that. There are training centers that meet Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights, Thursday nights, and Saturday. And all the trainings are the same. All over the island, they're all the same. They're going to have different pastors, different instructors, go to different churches and train in other churches. So I won't be here. It'll be Pastor Andrew Los. He's the new pastor from Guam Bible Fellowship in Dededo, just right in my neighborhood where I live. And um, you'll enjoy him, quality guy. But if you can't make it here, you're invited to attend at any of these other churches on that handout. And I want to encourage all of us to go. This is a world-class training in evangelism and discipleship. It's rare that we have um, this kind of opportunity here on Guam. Usually you'll have to travel to the States or Australia or Asia or something for something like this. But it's coming here. And this is an opportunity you don't want to miss. And so... That's going to be Wednesdays or Saturdays here, and then you have the schedule for the rest of them. Take that home with you. What we're going to do is we're going to send out an email to all of you with a link in order to sign up. And that'll help us know how many people um, will be attending. If you don't have, if you think we don't have your email, um, please sign up at the book table in the back. There's a sign-up table there. 
If you just prefer not to do email, you can sign up at the book table, but we'll be sending you a link so that um, it'll be convenient, it'll be in the palm of your hand, and you can register and uh, be a part of that opportunity. So there's flexibility to attend all throughout the week. I want to summarize here and, and wrap this up. The Bible warns us about materialism. We are tempted to drift because of fear, deception, or unmet needs. And there can be other reasons as well. Those are some of the common ones. And so we need to be careful um, because the love of money can bring many sorrows and is the cause of all kinds of evil. Lastly, we want to avoid the trap of materialism by getting involved in God's work and be a part of building his kingdom. And as you do, the things of this world will lose their attraction and you will find contentment in God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you made us and you know how we and how life works best. And so, Lord, we are trusting you to show us the way. Lord, we prayed before we read your word that you would illumine our minds, that you would teach. And Lord, I trust that you have spoken, that you are speaking. And so God, we want to respond to what it is that you're showing us. And if you would, in the privacy of your heart, just take a moment to do some business with God and just clarify between you and him, God, what is it that you're saying to me? What is it that you want me to take away from the last 30 minutes? And if you would take a moment just to tune in and connect with him and ask him what that is, I want to give you a moment to do some business with God. And if you sense there is something that is clear to you, some dots have connected for you, I want to give you an opportunity just to respond and, and say yes to whatever it is that God is showing you, to align yourself with him, to sync up with him, and be a part of what it is that he's doing in you and wants to do through you. And so take a moment just to do that. Father, I'm here, and I hear you. Thank you for speaking to me. Thank you for showing me, teaching me, revealing to me. And Lord, with what you've shown me, I'm choosing to align myself with you, to position myself spiritually to cooperate with what it is that you want to do. I'm saying yes. And so, God, would you take what it is that you've started or what you're continuing and complete it 
and trusting you to make it real. And if you would keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to address a handful of people who may be in the audience here. As you're hearing me talk about materialism and contentment with God, maybe that's resonated in your heart and you realize, you know, that's something I need. I would like to experience God. I would like to experience contentment with Him. And if you've never made a choice to invite God into your life, if you've not made a conscious decision, but you'd like to do that, then I want to give you an opportunity. And the way it'll work is I'll just pray out loud and just express that desire to experience God. And you can hitchhike on my words. God will hear you. But before I pray, I'd like to know who I'm praying with. And so if that describes you, um, I have a signal to know that we're going to pray together. And that is, if you would look up when my eyes meet yours, I'll know that we're going to pray together. And so if you would go ahead and look up at this time, then we'll pray together in a moment. Okay, I see you there. And here. Very good. And here. Okay. Anybody else? Yes, I see you. Anybody else? Yes. Anybody else on this side? Here? Okay. Very good. And here. I see you there. Okay. Yes. Very good. Let's pray. God, I'm, I'm sitting here today and I, I do sense that you've been trying to get my attention recently. And so I'm here. And Lord, I, I'm saying I want to open up to you. I'd like to open my mind and my life so that I could experience you. And so Lord, I, I ask you to forgive me for things I've done that have been hurtful to myself or to others. And I'm asking you to come into my life by your spirit of forgiveness. I'm choosing to receive Jesus, the spirit of Jesus, your spirit of love and forgiveness. And I ask that you would forgive me. Lord, I turn away from the way I've been living, trusting in myself, my own understanding, my own effort. And God, I want to live life your way, and so I ask that you would show me what that is. Lord, I ask that you would reveal that to me, mostly through your word, but through whatever means you choose. Lord, other children of yours, circumstances, Lord, just your work, your spirit within me, I ask that you would show me how to live your way and give me a new start because it hasn't been working so well the way I've been doing it. Lord, I ask you to give me a new start. I ask that you'd show yourself to me and allow me to experience life as you truly intended it to be. And I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give them a hand.